0: well we 're in Malachi chapter three and, and and we're finishing up we're bringing Malachi to an end and uh, this is the end of the Old Testament and so I want to encourage you as uh, as we we finish up I, I got a question for you, I guess, and my question for you is, is God on vacation? Is God on vacation? Well, you know, I had a vacation in March, and I liked it a lot. I enjoyed my time away. we went down to Florida it was brief vacation, uh, more time in the car than I think we're actually in Florida, but uh, it was a great time and and I enjoy my vacations. And so, uh, you know, one thing that I I, uh, have thought about is the thought about vacation is, does God ever take a vacation? Well, we know the answer is no, but we've sang this song, Our God Saves, these great lyrics, Our God Saves, and we sing it and we declare his salvation, that our God is a God who saves. And so, uh, you know, how but I've been thinking about this, because sometimes doesn't it feel like God is a God who's on vacation? I mean, I just think there's sometimes we just kind of wonder, is God on vacation? I mean, if you look recently in Japan, we've got the tsunami, right? And the, the whole nuclear disaster that happened there. Where's God? And where's God? Like, you know, in Mexico, drug lords are killing people and hanging them from bridges. And where's God? And, you know, on a smaller scale, things in my life, people, people do bad stuff. And where's God? And and you know, like if you just think about, even I've been sick for the last week, and you know, God, I want a new body. You know, like help me out. And so, uh, you know, sometimes where's God? Is God on vacation? Well, no, He's not, because our God is a save, a God who saves. But there are times when you and I might ask, you know, God, what have you done for me lately? God, do you still work? Are you still there? Couldn't you work for me a little bit more often? What have you done for me lately? And that's the story in Malachi chapter three. God, what have you done for me lately? So we've been about six weeks here in Malachi now, maybe longer. Um, we've had a few breaks and, you know, I would, I want to remind you where we're at because we took a little time off for Mother's Day and just let's bring us all back into the frame of reference here. Malachi chapter three. Malachi is the last book that we have before the Old Testament closes. And so uh, in Malachi chapter three, it's been 85 years since the temple was rebuilt and there's this new generation of people that have rise, and their heart for God is disengaged and they were going through the motions. And two weeks ago, we saw this in their lack of a generous spirit. We saw that two weeks ago. The people had a total lack of a generous spirit. And so my question that arises when we look at the book of Malachi is, are you a person that's going through the motions? Because that's what the people of Malachi were doing. We've talked about this for weeks now. The people of Malachi, they're just going through the motions. Are you going through the motions or do you fear the Lord? And as we bring Malachi to an end, look, As we bring Malachi to an end, I I got this question for you. Malachi talks about two ways to live. He talks about two ways to live. And in those two ways to live, we have either a way of going through the motions or fearing the Lord. Going through the motions or fearing the Lord. That's the two ways that Malachi gives us to live in chapter 3 and 4 as we bring this to a close. Now, as I mentioned this week, I'd been sick. Um, Last week on Mother's Day, I stood up here and I had 102 fever when I preached. So if I didn't talk to you, it was because I was trying to spare you whatever I had. And so uh, I came a little late and preached and went home and fell back into bed. By Thursday, I had no voice at all. I couldn't talk at all. And so Thursday is my message writing day. And I thought, you know... If I can't talk at all, it's going to be very difficult to preach today. So I recruited some helpers uh, to help me with this message. And uh, Pastor Jeff is going to take a little bit of this message. And Thomas is going to take a a little bit of this message. And we're going to kind of tag team preach it because I had no idea what I had to give you today. And so these guys have prepared. And uh, I know God's laid some things on their heart. And so as we talk about these two ways to live, I've asked Pastor Jeff to talk about one of these ways we live going through the motions. And I've asked Thomas to talk about the other way to live, about the fear of the Lord. And so I'm going to bring Pastor Jeff up right now. And Jeff, would you just walk us through these first uh, verses 13 through 15 of Malachi chapter 3.
1: On Thursday, um, I offered to do a ventriloquism act with Dave. And I would stand behind him and push on his back. And I would talk and he would just mouth, but that didn't work. We didn't go with that. So um, going through the motions. Those who go through the motions often find themselves in a frustrating position. They're often frustrated, in this case, with God. And I I had a touch of that this, this past Friday because I stood outside looking at my chimney of my brand new house that I just bought, and it's crumbling apart. And I had this great idea of picking out all of the chimney rock, or all of the rock, and replacing the rock, but that didn't work, and I had to get a guy to come out. And my ideal of what I wanted to do on that Friday just didn't seem to work. And so it frustrated me to the point where I just... I wanted to do this. This is the ideal that I had for my Friday, my day off. I wanted to do this, and I can't do it. It's just frustrating to me because I can't accomplish my ideal. And that's where the Israelites find themselves right here. They're frustrated because their ideal and God's reality is not matching up. Israelites' ideal right now is that they can live any way they want, but yet God will continue to bless them. You know, If we look back in, in uh, Malachi, in chapter 1, we see that they didn't offer their best offering. They brought a polluted sacrifice. The priests gave their own instruction. They had self-dependence. They had you know, manly wisdom, and they were offering this uh, wisdom. They attempted to man- manipulate God by coming in and, and weeping over the sacrifice. They held back from God. They didn't trust God with their resources. And what God was saying... Is your life stinks? Your life stinks because you're going through the motions. There's a disconnect from your ideal and real in reality. But yet, at the end of chapter three, God offers them a blessing. God says, "You know, I still want to bless you. I still, if you follow me, if you if you if you do what I ask you to do, I want to bless you." But yet, they chose to ignore God's compassion. They chose to ignore God's patience with them. And then we pick up here in verse 13 where it says, Your words have been hard against me, says the Lord. You know, They, they spoke harshly against God. God was offering them an olive leaf and saying, Here's the blessing. And they're yeah. You know. Whether it was out loud, whether it was amongst themselves, whether it was in their mind, they were speaking harshly against God. They don't want any part of what God was offering them. They dealt harshly with God because they didn't want to give up their own ways. But yet, if we continue reading in that verse 13, but you say, how have we spoken against you? They're so, far, they're so far from understanding where they are that they don't even see how it is that they're speaking harshly with God. They held on to their comfort instead of trusting God. They continued to be frustrated. They continued to have this ideal that didn't match up with God's reality. They were going through the motions. It reminds me of a guy that was trying to build a financial empire by going through the motions, named Carlo. He arrived in Boston in 1903. He had $2.51 in his pocket, but yet he had a lot of great ideals that he was going to try to build a, a financial empire. He started out as a dishwasher, he went to a waiter. He went from a waiter to being a bank teller, he went from a bank teller to a financial advisor and a financial investor. And if he was living in today's economy, he'd be making millions of dollars. But what what people didn't see or what people started to see behind the scenes but couldn't quite pinpoint it was that he was doing all of this through theft. He was doing all of this through forgery, deception. He was making promises that he couldn't keep. He was borrowing money, and he was trying to pay other people and getting borrow and borrow and take. And he's trying to, basically he's trying to rob Peter to pay Paul. But what was, what we don't realize is what was going behind the scenes. He had this ideal of a financial empire, but he was doing it in his own way. This guy's name is Charles Ponzi. Ponzi scheme. He was building a financial empire... People could quite couldn't quite figure out what was going on. Some people started to catch on, but at the end of his life, once somebody did catch on, August of two thousand or uh, August of nineteen twenty, everything came crashing down on him. He ended up, you know, just kind of a tailspin in his life. And after he got out of prison, he said this. He said something. He said he he said he went looking for trouble and trouble found him he went looking for trouble and trouble found him he was trying he had this ideal of building a financial empire but yet he was doing it in his own way he wasn't following a godly way of building a financial empire and Israel at this point hadn't quite come to the end of this rope or end of this life you know they, they didn't come to that statement of you know I went looking for trouble and I found it but they hadn't quite come to the end of this life. They still had their eyes caught on this Ponzi scheme. that hadn't quite crumbled yet. And in the process, they gave up, a, uh, gave up on God and his ways. So not only were they frustrated with God, but they were frustrated with his ways. If we continue reading in verse 14 and 15, God says, You have said, It is vain to serve God. They, they gave up on pursuing God. This is just, this is nonsense. You know, all of these people, it's not fair. Those athletes, they're taking steroids, and so they can smash home runs. Or these, the, the other students in my class during the exams, they're, they're cheating on their tests. And so it's, it's not fair. The, these other people at my workplace, they're, they're cutting corners to get ahead. And it's not fair. It's all vanity, God. Your way isn't the way to go. Continuing in verse 14. What is the profit of our of our keeping his charge or walking in, as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? They were looking for them to profit themselves. They weren't looking to profit God. They weren't looking to put God up on the pedestal. They were looking to put themselves up on the pedestal. Verse fifteen, continuing on there. And now we call the arrogant blessed. Pursuing the arrogant, really? This is where Israel was. They pursued. They 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 elevated. The, the level of arrogance, is that that's what they pursued. That's what they wanted to have is that arrogant lifestyle instead of having a godly lifestyle. It all boiled down to this last bit of uh, verse 15. Evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escaped. Their ultimate conclusion was, God, you're incompetent. You, you, have, you have no power. But they were only looking at the physical realm. They were only looking at what they could see. They couldn't see what was going on behind the scene. They didn't see the Ponzi scheme that was going on. They didn't see the corruption that was going on. And so God is saying, don't worry about what you can see. You live. Let me take care of everything else. It's like they forgot all about Psalms and David and all of the turmoil that David went through. But yet God always showed up in the end. God was always there walking with David and walking him through those difficult circumstances when people were cutting corners you know Israel went through the motions of serving god but in the end of this ponzi scheme just like a ponzi scheme there's bitterness there's emptiness there's strife at the end of a ponzi scheme that's where these people were going to be is that they were going to have bitterness and emptiness are you going through the motions are you asking what's in it for me instead of what's in it and how can I glorify god You know, some of us were fed a lie. Some of us have been told, you know, if you pray the prayer, life is going to be perfect for you and life is going to be wonderful for you. And this Christian life is always going to be great for you. I'm sorry. It's not always going to be peaches and cream. It's not always going to be wonderful. There will be times when it will be wonderful and it will be fun. But there will be times when it's difficult And you're walking through those dark times, but God will always be there. And there's going to be times when people are cutting corners and you're seeing them cut corners and you're knowing that they're cutting corners and you're saying, God, but why? Be assured that God is in control. Don't walk through the motions. Don't walk out of here walking through the motions. God is looking to refine his children into Jesus' image. He's looking for internal obedience to flow outward. To be outward obedience for His glory. You know, we talked a lot. I've talked a lot about going through the motions, and that's one way that we can walk through this life is by going through the motions. Thomas is now going to come and talk about those people that walk through this life in the fear of God, because that's what God wants us to do. That's the type of lifestyle that God wants us to live.
2: And I guess I could do the short end of the stick and get the handheld microphone, but that's okay. I'm used to it. So if, so, I I am the best looking. Um, I won't I won't argue that. So if if the on one hand there's a way to live that just goes through the motions of this life, and and let's be honest, I think all of us at some point are there. We just kind of go through the motions. I know that it for me um, last fall when I went started back at school, I was super excited, and I diligently. I mean, I was reading, and I wasn't just like reading, I was devouring the time. I was like, oh, this is awesome. It's really good. And, oh, God, I see this big picture, and I'm really super excited. You know, and then you get into the next class, and, you know, you maybe mail it in on one reading assignment, and then you get to the next class, and you kind of mail it in on a paper. And then finally you get to, the, you know, where you're at now, and school year is starting to come to an end, and you're just kind of like, okay, I'm just going to plow through this reading and try to get it done. And, and then you sit back, and you're like, you know, I don't know that I've learned anything. Because you just go through the motions. So what then, how should we live if we don't want to live as a person who just goes through the motions? Well, the good news is that Malachi records it here. And I think what's really cool as a preacher, I love this because I think that starting in verse 16, we see people responding to what God is doing and what God wants them to hear. We see people changing. Their lives are being transformed by the message and the hope of what God is talking about. And in this, in this passage, in verse 16, I see three things um, that, uh, that we see here as far as marks of someone who's not going through the motions or marks of someone who fears the Lord. And the first thing that I see is that they trust God. By using the word fear in the Old Testament, whenever you read through the Old Testament, which I highly encourage you to do, when you read the word fear the Lord, really what you should think of is trust the Lord. This isn't cowering in the corner. This isn't like uh, the first time I took Joe to Disney World and he got to a point where he wouldn't go on any ride unless he could see the outside of the ride because he was afraid of what was going to be on the inside. He didn't know. So there, this isn't like this. This is trust, which is what developed afterwards when I figured that out and I was able to talk to him and I got down and looked at him. I said, Joe, do you trust me? Come with me. This is going to be okay. And now he drags me on everything. It's when we go down there, it's, it's actually a lot of fun. But But that's the difference. So, what do you trust in? The people before were trusting in themselves. They were trusting in their wealth. They were trusting in everything outside. These people that fear the Lord were trusting in God because they feared Him. They trusted God. So, what do you trust in? Who do you trust? Do you trust that God is working even when you can't see him working? When you're in the middle of that dark place in your life, when it looks like God is gone, when it looks like God's on vacation, do you still trust that he is working? Because he is. The second thing that we see here is that they talked about God in a positive way. They esteemed God. At the end of verse 16, it says, And they esteemed his name. This is the opposite of the speech that we see back in verse 13. In 13, they they speak harshly against God. Here in verse 16, we see that they're speaking favorably about God. They're speaking positively about God. We don't know exactly what they say, but we know that in Scripture, there's certainly certain kinds of speech that God finds pleasing. You know, gracious speech, edifying, thankful, worshipful, praising, humble words. That's what pleases God. And we know... That this talk pleased God. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But this talk, whatever they said, pleased God because he heard them and he acted positively. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. But do you find yourself talking more about yourself or more about God? Because, you know, when you start talking more about yourself, it's easy to get down. Well, I can't do this. Or I don't have enough money to do that. Or I'm not smart enough to do that. Or I'm not good looking enough to be on TV. Well, maybe you say that. I don't. Um, but but the, that's the idea is that you focus on yourself. You, when the spotlight is on you, I'm sorry, that when the spotlight is on us, then we suddenly see we're not so pretty after all. But when we put the spotlight on God, wow, we see how majestic, how awesome, how incredible God is. These people who trusted God, who feared God, were not going through the motions. They put the spotlight on God. They talked about him. And the third thing that I see here is that they were with one another. They loved to be in godly Christian community. Look again at verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. Now understand that this is, you know, thousands of years ago. They didn't have Facebook. They didn't have a phone. They couldn't text one another, okay? They had to be together. In order to talk, they had to be in the same general proximity of each other. So they were. They were with one another. They were involved in community and relationships. And this is a call for us to remember to always be in community and relationships. People who fear the Lord spend time with other people who fear and trust the Lord. So let me encourage you on this. If you're in a life group, stay in your life group. Don't take a summer vacation from your life group. If you're not in a life group, get in a life group. Put that on your community card, okay? Or come see me. Come see Pastor Jeff. Come see... Talk to somebody. Be in a life group. Be in godly community with other believers who fear the Lord, who want to talk about what God is doing in their life. This, again, is opposite of the people of, that, we, that Pastor Jeff talked about. Those people drug and pull them down. Do you guys have friends like that sometimes? I do. Friends who always want to drag us down. Sometimes I'm that friend. <laughs> Don't talk to Stetson Owen. We sit by each other at work, and he'll tell you horror stories. But you know, drag, try to be the person that, you know, focuses on God and lifts people up with what you say. Be in godly community. That's a sign of not going through the motions. It's a sign of trusting and fearing the Lord. And when we do that, we see God move. We see God respond. In verse 17, God, actually at the end 16 and into 17, we see God working. The first thing I want you to understand, God heard them. That's what prompted all this response. I think it's interesting. They weren't necessarily praying in this. They were just talking. It was, you know, they were just talking like, hey, Josh, you want to know what God's done in my life? Let me tell you what God's done in my life. What's God done in your life? And they were talking, and God heard that, and God was pleased with that. God was pleased with that. Because, and we know that he's pleased with that because he, it says in verse 16 that he wrote their name in a book. And not just any book, it's a book of remembrance. And I think it's interesting, I'll get back to this point, but this idea of a book of remembrance, if you guys know the story of Esther, right? If you've read the biblical story of Esther, or if you have kids and you've watched Veggie Tales, you know the story of Esther, right? Okay, and there's, there's the king. And Mordecai saves the king's life, much to the chagrin of Haman. And so the king writes this, has this written down. Time events pass. The king can't sleep, so obviously they don't have sleeping pills, so their cure for insomnia is to read this book of remembrance. So he's reading through this book, and the, the scribe, he asked the scribe, what did we ever do for this guy, Mordecai, who saved my life? And he said, nothing. Friends, I want to tell you something. If a wicked pagan king who is set to exterminate the Jews can remember those who saved his life, how much more so will our good and gracious king remember what we do? And I want you to know something. It's not that God's necessarily—it's what we do that's actually writing the book. If you look at it here, it says, In a book of remembrance was written before him—him him in this case is God—of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. It's their actions that were actually writing the book. That's just an incredible thought. So not only does God hear us when we talk to one another and esteem his name, and not only do those actions put us in a book of remembrance— But it also makes us God's special treasure. Verse 17 says, They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts. In that day when I make up my treasured possession, and I will spare them as a man spares his son and serves him. This phrase, special treasure, this treasured possession, this idea is is the same phraseology that God uses about the covenant people. It's like we're... His. You know, I've often said that being a dad has taught me more about the character and nature of God than almost anything else in my life. And I get this idea because when I talk about my boys, those are my boys. Parents, you understand this, right? They're mine, they're precious to me, they're special. They're my boys. And this is how God looks at us. Did you know that when you walk in the path of righteousness, when you don't just go through the motions, when you fear God, when you trust him, God doesn't just view you as a person. He views you as his special property, his his special person, his treasure. That's how God views you. And the third thing is God makes one last promise. In verse 18, it says, Then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not see him. In just a moment, Pastor Dave is going to come up, and he's going to wrap this up for us, and he's going to tell us about a day when we will see clearly the difference between the wicked and the righteous, a day when people will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that their actions do not please God, even though it may look like they do. Or may it look like they're prospering. There's a day coming when they will not be so obvious. They will not be so obvious and their actions will not look like they prosper. God promises us that that day is coming. So let me ask you this. What kind of person do you want to be? Do you want to be the kind of person that goes through the motions, kind of muddles through life, And someday we'll have to stand and have your work exposed as saying that it's not prospering. Or do you want to fear God, trust God, walk in his ways, honor him, trust him, be obedient. Even if it means in this life you don't prosper the way the world thinks you should. Maybe you don't have the big house. Maybe you don't have the big fancy job. Maybe you don't get ahead. Maybe you don't take lots of fancy vacations. Or put it in Christian speak. Maybe we don't have the big fancy church building. Maybe our pastor doesn't stand up on PastorFashion.com. And it's a real website. Go check it out. You know, maybe he doesn't get a modeling job on there. Maybe we get all of these things. We don't look like a success in the world's eyes. But in God's eyes, in God's eyes, we prosper. Friends, when the dark times come, you have two choices. Two choices. You can walk in the way of the world or you can walk in the way of those who fear the Lord. You can go through the motions or you can choose to fear God. There's a day coming when all of those things will be made clear. And Pastor Day is going to come up and talk to us about that now.
0: So there's two groups here. There's the one group that says, okay, God, what have you done for me lately? And I'm ticked at you and I'm just going through the motions. There's another group that says, no, they stand up and say, we will fear the Lord. And they stand up and they write this book of remembrance. Now watch what happens in chapter 4. Watch. Listen. To the first group, God says, here's what's coming. To those who are going through the motions and who have said, God, all I care about is what you've done for me lately. He says, surely the day is coming and it will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and evil, and every evildoer will be stubble. And on that day, and that day is coming and will set them on fire, says the Lord. Almighty. But there's another group of people. For those who feared or trusted the Lord, verse 2, but for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings and you will go out and leap like calves released from the stall. I love it. God is saying just What is just and right is coming. For those who are going through the motions, what is just is coming. But for those of you who trust and fear me, what is just and right is coming. So are you going through the motions or do you fear the Lord? Now, going through the motions is something that happens to all of us at one time or another. But those who fear the Lord, there is a time where we will stop going through the motions and we will place our trust in Jesus. Are you going through the motions or do you fear the Lord? When we choose to fear the Lord, we set aside our commercialized Christianity and we trust in Jesus. Commercialized Christianity just says, God, I do this for you. You do this for me. That's a, com- that's a you know, commercial transaction. But when we fear the Lord, we set that aside and we trust in him completely for his glory. And then we can see how he's working. The whole thing flips. See, so an atheist would say God is dead. An agnostic would say God is irrelevant. Some Christians would say God is useless. And they're all wrong. I declare to you today that God is not dead. He is alive. God is not irrelevant. He's relevant. And God is not useless. And when we trust in him, we open our eyes and we see, oh God, I finally see how you're working, because this isn't about me, it's about you. The resurrection says something totally different than commercialized Christianity. Look at Malachi 4:5. OK? Th- these are the last verses before the Old Testament closes, and this is huge. and you, you can't miss this. Look at four: five. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. All you got to do is flip over your Bible a few pages to, to Luke chapter 1, and we see here in the beginning of the Gospels and the story, Luke chapter 1, Did I put that up there or not? Nope. All right, I'll read it to you. Luke says, And he will go on before the Lord, and he's talking about John the Baptist now. Speaking of John the Baptist, he says, He'll go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. It's just, it's 400 years in time, but it's just a few pages. The last thoughts of Malachi are the first thoughts of the New Testament. God is not silent, He is not useless. God saves. God is powerful. God is alive and God is active. John the Baptist pointed the way to Jesus, and Jesus was literally the voice of God speaking into the darkness of the world. Jesus' death and the resurrection was the answer to those who thought God was useless. Our God isn't useless, our God saves. The worship team's coming now. They didn't know that, maybe, but they are. Uh, and, and they're going to sing the song again, Our God Saves, because, listen, this is about God's kingdom. The resurrection declares that God's kingdom is breaking through into this world. And so if you think about God's kingdom in terms of what can God do for me, then you won't see it. It won't make sense. And you'll say, what has God done for me lately? But if you think about God's kingdom through Jesus' eyes, through trust and fear, You ask not what God's kingdom can do for me, but you ask, how can I be part of what God is doing here? God is not useless. Our God saves. So are you going through the motions? Are you going through the motions or do you fear the Lord? Our God is alive, our God is relevant. And our God saves. Heavenly Father, Lord, today we lift this truth up and we ask that you would settle it in our hearts, that you are alive and active and through us, you are saving this world. Oh God, be glorified, be made manifest in our lives today. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. Would you stand as we sing that chorus again, Our God Saves.